Grimm's Fairy Tales is essentially a hip-hop retelling of Grimm's Fairy Tales. So there was five of us in the show, and we had the two Grimm's brothers, and then there were three of us that would tell the stories of Cinderella, Snow White, Rapunzel, and Hansel and Gretel. And so it was a hip-hop retelling, so there was, like, music and dance, and, like, we essentially made them a modernized story with hip-hop. And I remember when we first did the production, we were in our closing weekend of the show, and I was actually working on another production with Children's Theater, but we were supposed to go back the same night and perform for an audience. And like, I just remember someone saying, hey, check your email. And they were like, the last weekend of Grimm's Fairy Tales has been canceled. Welcome back to Arts Across NC. I'm your host, Kaisha Jennings. This season, with the help of artists, arts organization, and arts leaders from all across North Carolina, we are telling the stories of mental struggles, canceled performances, and difficult decisions. The past two years also include stories about innovation, hope, and moments of profound connection. In the wake of World War II, the Junior League of Charlotte established Children's Theater of Charlotte as a volunteer-run children's program. In 1971, After converting a former Veterans of Foreign Wars office, the theater opened its first permanent home at 1017 Moorhead Street. More than 50 years later, they have established a successful creative partnership with Charlotte Mecklenburg Library to create Imagine On, the Joe and Joan Martin Center. The contemporary space features two state-of-the-art venues, a costume shop, a scene shop, educational classrooms, and rehearsal space. The Children's Theater of Charlotte uses theater as a tool to have fun, build confidence, and encourage creative thinking. They offer a number of educational programs from theater classes to summer camps. As a performing arts organization, they also offer high-quality productions of classics, musicals, and new works performed by professional actors. Between remote schooling and after-school activities being canceled, school-aged children's routines were anything but routine. In this most difficult time, when stages across America were forced to darken, Children's Theater of Charlotte artists responded with light, producing bold work in new ways. The Arts Across NC team spoke with Adam, two professional actors, and one of the theater's teaching artists to learn more about how the pandemic impacted the organization. Hey Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Kaisha, great. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Adam. I'm the artistic director of Children's Theater of Charlotte. So, so much has happened over the past two years and the ways the pandemic has disrupted um, North Carolina art sector, specifically like performing venues. Can you talk to me a little bit about the ways that the pandemic has disrupted the theater? There's a pandemic? What? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Um, Right. Yeah. Wow. Three ways. Um, There are so many ways that the pandemic has disrupted Children's Theater of Charlotte. Um, Gosh, I mean, I I think when we when we first were hit with this in March of 2020, you know, there were several things right away that happened. We shut down our tour, which is a statewide tour, um, which goes to schools all across the state. We shut down our pre-K tour. Um, we shut down the current production we had on stage, which was Grimm's Fairy Tales. Um, we shut down the show that was in tech in our other theater, which is Dragons Love Tacos, which is currently running now. We finally were able to bring it back. 
We shut down the upcoming production of Afflicted Daughters of Salem, which was going to be our first um, show where we come back to serving teens with productions. Um, we immediately had to move our onstage program from in-person to virtual. Um, onstage is a program where students take 20 weeks of coursework with us. And then at the end of the year in May, they're able to audition for four fully produced productions that they get to practice their craft. So we had just completed our 20 weeks and we're about to move into the onstage production process. So we immediately moved that to virtual. So we also were hit with development and budgeting um, a disruption. You know, we did lose some, some patron corporate giving. We had some, some, some concerns uh, as everyone did at the time of, is somebody gonna get laid off? Are they gonna get furloughed from, from their job? So giving was down. You know, we had lost all the income from those shows that, 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 that would have um, gone on, but didn't. Um, and for budgeting, we, we weren't sure what the market was gonna do. If you remember in March, the market took a huge dive. Um, and so we started um, working with our board of directors on long-term budget planning. So we tried to create a six month, a 12 month and an 18 month budget. And it's kind of an, if this, then that budget, you know, if, if we're able to come back to live classes in the summer, then this, if not, then that, if we're able to come back in the fall with live audiences, then here's their budget. If not, then here's our budget. And that's enough to drive somebody absolutely bonkers trying to guess that. And I think the final disruption was philosophic. I mean, I, I think that we were, as all, I believe, performing arts organizations were forced to ask ourselves, when what you do defines who you are, what happens when you can't do that thing that you do? Who are you? Do you become a television studio? Do you become a media producer? How do you serve the community when you are disrupted in that way in which you have traditionally served your community? How are you today? How is the Children's Theater of Charlotte today? I think we're in great spirits. And I think we've, um, we're really proud of the way we've been able to serve our community. Um, today, um, you know, we started rehearsals on Monday of this, this past week um, of our first big production back. So we feel pretty great about that. It's our first production where we have um, young people alongside professionals. Um, and we've we've waited two and a half years for this this time. We we have we feel like we're like we're coming back. So I, I feel really good right now. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's still risky and it's still um, uncertain, but I think we've learned to deal with the uncertainty in a lot of ways. Meet fifteen-year-old Issa Long. She has been acting with Children's Theater of Charlotte since the age of four years old. While speaking over Zoom, she recalls what the beginning moments of the pandemic were like for her. At the beginning of the pandemic, when we were sent home, I actually had just finished one of the shows at Children's Theater of Charlotte. So I was in the very last show that was put on stage and we were about to go into more auditions for the next season. And I had prepped my audition. I had made sure I knew my monologue and I knew my song. And then all of a sudden COVID came out of nowhere. And it was like, do I still get to audition? Do I still get to be on stage? what does life really look like from here? Do I still go to my acting classes? I think it was really difficult because there were a lot of unanswered questions. So all the questions I had, the people in charge also had. So 
I didn't know when I was going to be able to go back to working on acting and working on vocal lessons, but neither did my teachers. And I think that was the hardest part. And then once we finally got back, there was also the thing of there were so many new restrictions that we didn't have before. And I think that was really difficult. So in acting with a scene partner, it was hard sometimes to decipher their feelings as well because half of their face is covered because everybody was wearing masks. And I think it was also really difficult because we weren't allowed to sing in our classes. We mainly just focused on acting. And I guess I grew and I really did grow in other aspects of my training acting wise. But I think I missed a year of vocal lessons. And I think that really held me back from some of my vocal technique. According to the CDC, COVID-19 spreads when an infected person breathes out droplets and very small particles that contain the virus. These droplets and particles can be breathed in by other people, land in their eyes, nose, or mouth, or land on surfaces that people touch. Singing is thought to be a higher risk activity for COVID-19 spread due to the aggressive expelling of respiratory droplets. This can result in aerosols that can hang in the air for hours. As a result, the CDC placed an emphasis on taking extra precautions when participating in musical activities, especially if they involved vocalists. We didn't allow any singing last year. So all of our classes focused on um, acting and dancing, movement, movement for the actor and dance, but no singing. We just weren't sure, you know, and, and the data that we had said that was not a safe thing to do. So in order to be as safe as, as possible, we, for last year, didn't allow it. This year we're allowing it, um, but last year we didn't. Performing with a mask, you know, it really allowed young actors to be able to engage with their bodies, which is really important for, for any performer to be engaged with their body. So it let us focus on that because you, when you, when you can't focus on the face, you know, you have to engage with the body. Um, I think it was a, a challenge for our audio technicians um, when we did finally have audiences back this year and our first production, they were masked for the production. It actually sounded pretty great. As each week passed, guidelines and recommendations would change. I asked Adam what protocols the Children's Data of Charlotte implemented over the past two years. So what are some of the protocols um, that are being implemented to ensure the safety of your staff, the students, the professional actors? That's a, that's a great question um, because those have changed every couple of weeks over the past two and a half years. Um, I, think, I think the first thing that we did to ensure the safety of, of everybody was we, we tasked our HR manager and our director of production to be our COVID protocol officers. Um, they were, and they spent countless hours all throughout the pandemic on webinars, on the websites of the CDC, of the federal government, of the state, of the county, of the city, of the local school districts, pulling together what all the different various mandates and protocols and, and all the numbers that were being given by our local health directors, um, what those recommendations are versus what the CDC is recommending versus what the state is recommending. Um, and pulling those together to, to, to make protocols that we feel good about for our audiences. Um, and what some of those have been, um, and they've, they've been changing, we immediately invested in a health check app, um, which allowed parents and employees and actors to remotely be asked all those questions that needed to be asked about temperatures, about um, 
Have they been exposed? All those, all those questions that you typically were getting asked, mostly very early in the pandemic, but those would be asked via this and we would immediately get a green, a yellow or a red on somebody and we'd immediately be able to contact them to, to get more context. Why is this yellow? Let's talk about that. And then we'd be able to make a decision. And by we, I mean our COVID protocol officers, because everything was decided by those, those two people, would be able to make a good decision about, yeah, you need to stay home, or yes, we think it's good for you to come in, or it's safe for you to come in. There was lots of other protocols, and they all had to do with masking, testing, social distancing, and limiting class and audience sizes. It was all different, different versions of those types of things. More than a year after COVID-19 shut at theaters, actors and production crews have been forced into a new normal. So when we first started coming back to rehearsals for Grimm's Fairy Tales, it was a totally different environment because now we had to wear masks. And as performers and as actors, we're so used to being emotive and having so much articulation and having like all of this mobility with our face, which was essentially taken away from us because we were wearing masks, of course, to protect like each other and everyone around us. And so it was really hard trying to tell a story when we couldn't even see or sometimes understand what each of us were saying. And so that was a really big change for all of us because we had to adapt to like a new way of storytelling, which was how can we get the story across with only our eyes showing and the diction maybe not being as great as it used to be or like our breathing being different because it's being limited in a mask. That was Isabel. She went on to explain the many ways the pandemic changed her experience as an actor. And there were so many, many safety precautions. Like um, if the actors were unmasked, no one except for the crew that was on stage, which was one person, was allowed to be on stage. Like it was very cautious. Um, But all of that like was really great because at the end of the day, like having such a limited area to like speak and talk to like it really helped when we actually got to lift the masks because we were like this is what we're used to and I think you could really see our passion and stuff when we were filming and like just taking it all in again because I mean that helped us to get nominated for a drama league award which is crazy because we never thought that our our show of five people would be nominated against some some of the greatest artists of our time. In 2021, the Children's Theater of Charlotte production of Grimm's earned them a nomination in the 87th Annual Drama League Awards for Outstanding Digital Theater Individual Production. First presented in 1922 and formalized in 1935, the Drama League Awards are the oldest theatrical honors in America. They are the only major theatrical awards chosen by the entire theater community specifically by the Drama League members nationwide who attend Broadway and off-Broadway productions. Yeah, we absolutely did not expect that. <laughs> that was, that was um, wonderful and unexpected. We decided to, uh, remember when I said we were, we were um, making all these plans, if this, then that plans. We finally made a decision that we, we believed that audiences were not going to come back the following year. This was last year. We believed that um, schools were, were not going to be back in school, many of them. And so we had to make a decision about how we were going to serve our community. Um, and so what we decided was that we would fully produce 
four shows, four productions, um, and we would professionally record and edit those and provide those to classrooms, school districts, anybody really who, who wanted access to a theatrical production. And we made the choice to lean into the theatricality of those productions. An example of that is when we, um, one of our shows, there were um, shadow puppets. We actually filmed both the shadow puppeteer and the shadow on the wall so that you could see it being created in the performance. Because that's something that if you were in the room, you would have seen that. It was a choice made to show the audience how those things were being done. And we wanted to lean into that and not edit around those things. So I think that went really well. We, we were really able to serve a pretty wide audience with those productions, but we had no idea that the Drama League, which is typically, I believe, a more New York-focused um, um, awards, they were able to broaden that out, I believe, more inclusively um, because of the virtual aspect. And so this was a virtual independent um, production award, and we had no idea, but it was, it was amazing. Um, to, have, to have a children's theater um, that is not uh, uh, in, in New York um, be able to be a nominee against these pretty substantial theater companies was a win for both TYA, which is Theater for Young Audiences, as well as for us and the artists who worked in that production. It was just a really great moment, I think. Although they didn't win, the theater's nomination for a Drama League Award is a testament to the work they do, especially during a time when they were challenged with reimagining the ways in which live theater could be accessible to a public audience. So as we wrap up, can you share with me other joyous moments you experience watching the students who are part of your educational programming or even the young actors? The pandemic was a challenging moment mentally for many of us. So what did you notice about the youth that you serve? That's exactly right. It was really hard on young people. I think some of the some of those um, joyous moments, I think I think the very first on stage that we did virtually, I said back in March, April, May of 2020, you know, it was I would not classify those actual virtual productions as high quality um, or even good because we didn't yet know what we were doing. It was this crazy thing called Zoom that we we're trying to use <laughs> for this. But we hired a film director. We brought these. Everything was being canceled for these students. If you remember all School was canceled, all school productions were canceled, all sports were canceled, everything was canceled. So we, we made an active choice to not cancel ours, but rather do it virtually. And you know, we didn't think we were gonna do it well, but we were gonna do it. And it was great to see those groups of kids come together after having spent a month, month and a half locked away, even virtually come together back with their friends, back with their, their, their uh, colleagues from Children's Theater of Charlotte, to bring this together was, was that was joyful. Um, I think we also um, you know, really rallied in that time to find old productions that we had recorded and we created what we called watch parties. And so we invited people um, for free online and we'd bring together the artists that created those pieces. So we, we streamed those pieces. Then we had these, um, these, these engaging panels that these artists would talk about those productions with anybody who wanted to sort of join in creating a, a broader community with the virtual productions was joyful. We've, we've met some pretty great schools across the country who, who otherwise would not have connected in with us. And we now are building relationships with, that was, a, that was joyful. There were other joyful moments for the theater company. Meet Mary Catherine Smith, 
Currently, she is the Campus and Community Programs Manager. This is her sixth year with the company, and initially she came on as a summer camp teaching artist. Hi, my name is uh, Mary Catherine Smith. The first joyous moment that comes to mind in 2020 was when I was actually directing the um, children's musical. I was directing a musical production of Anne of Green Gables, and we were trying to figure out how to do the scene where we um, give Minnie Mae some medicine with all the kids being in separate locations and like passing props, like from one side of the screen to the other. So it looked like they were grabbing each other's like spoons. So then everyone had to have a spoon in their own house and everyone had to have a bottle of medicine in their own house. And that was, there was something so exciting and creative. And then just the, the eagerness on the kids face, whenever they would like watch the replay of it, they were like, this is actually looks really cool. And I just remember that was a very inspirational moment for me, especially because during that time we were in complete lockdown. Nobody had like left their houses in weeks and here we are like creating art you know via zoom who would have thought of such a thing after missing a year of training 15 year old Issa also had some wins I think a really great moment during the pandemic that really made me feel like there was a light at the end of the tunnel was when all of a sudden they offered last minute auditions for conservatory, which is an acting program that you audition for at Children's Theater of Charlotte in order to get a deeper training in your craft. So it's more heavy on dance and it's more heavy on music and more heavy on monologues and getting into what you're really saying less than acting games. And it's, it's very, very helpful. So I auditioned, I got into the class and I think it was really great because it was an opportunity to be able to see friends who are in the community and be able to work on um, acting and dancing when we had taken a year off and I felt like I was going to start to lose my technique, but we found a way to do it even with all the restrictions that were going on all over the world, even if it was limited to just acting and dancing. Be sure to visit the Children's Theater of Charlotte. This summer, their award-winning summer camp is offering experiences for students ages 3 to 18 in a fun, interactive environment. Professional teaching artists lead campers in acting, singing, and dancing activities. And starting April 1st through May 8th, Shrek and his lovable sidekick Donkey will be present for a performance of Shrek the Musical. Thanks for listening to Arts Across NC, a podcast by and about the North Carolina Arts Council. Make sure to visit us at ncarts.org slash podcast. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. See y'all next Friday.